On July 6, 2006, 42-year-old Renee Bradley was tragically murdered by her ex-boyfriend. The man who once said he loved her was the same man who had cut her throat from ear to ear. Renee was a mom, grandmother, daughter, sister, friend, and so much more to many people. The loss of Renee would forever change the lives of her children, family members, friends, and everyone she came in contact with. In 2018, Renee's son, Sion, founded the Renee J. Bradley Foundation. Its mission is to teach, mentor, and educate young adults, specifically young adults of color, about the importance of healthy relationships. Today on The Fatherhood, Sion joins me to talk about his mom, talk about how the loss of her impacted him, and talk about his advocacy for domestic violence awareness. I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is The Fatherhood. Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and you're in the fatherhood. As a new member of the hood, my goal is to use this podcast as a platform to talk about my journey as a new father. Part therapeutic, part informative, part educational. My goal is to talk about everything, from adjusting to getting no sleep, to changing diapers, to just hoping I get everything right. This podcast will be a space to share with you the joys, challenges, and fears of being a first-time father. I'm happy to have Sion Bradley join me on the podcast today. Sion, welcome to The Fatherhood. Oh, man, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. So you have a very powerful for st- story to tell. Um, you started the Renee J. Bradley Foundation in honor of your late mom, and who was a victim of domestic violence. Tell us about her and what led you to start the foundation. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, what can I say about my mom? Let me start off by saying, you know, she was a... Um, Wonderful person, loving, caring, fun, outgoing person. You know, she was um, everything to us, everything to her kids. There's four of us. I'm the uh, second oldest of um, three other siblings. And like I said, she was everything to us. She was the mom. She was the dad. She was our best friend. You know, we loved our mom. To, um, I, I hate to say the death, but we loved our mom to death, to life. You know, she was everything. And she was a loving person with a big heart. And Unfortunately and tragically, you know, part of part of that it, of her character and that being her is what led, you know, ultimately to her end. She had such a loving heart and she ended up in a relationship with somebody that, you know, obviously in hindsight, we feel like, you know, we can say in hindsight, she probably shouldn't have been with. But, you know, she wanted to give the guy a, a, a chance. She fell in love with him, and, and I assume he fell in love with her. And they were together for a while. And, um, you know, as a family, we came around to accepting him as part of our family for a few years. And, you know, like like any other typical relationship, things seemed like they were going OK, you know, from the outside looking in. Obviously, you know, there was some some fights and some arguments here and there. But, you know, the, the, what we thought was the typical stuff. Nothing alarming, right. nothing that made us think that, you know, one day he would end up doing what he did. But, you know, he became a friend of us and we trusted her, him and she trusted him. And towards the end of their relationship, things really took a turn for the worse as far as, you know, how, how toxic their relationship, began, you know, started moving into that level. The arguments got a lot more and a lot more violent. You know, never really physical, but, you know, got it got close to that that 
point and she felt like, you know, it was over. For her, she was ready to move on with her life and, and, and leave him alone. And for him, it turned out that he wasn't um, emotionally ready to let go. So during their, their breakup, you know, it was it was him popping up here and there and, and, and really not letting her um, live her life, which she was yeah. trying to do at that point. I guess I guess you could say he ended up starting to stalk her, you know, better um, words. And she was trying to move on with her life. And unfortunately, uh, emotionally and mentally, the guy had a lot of issues and it, it, it ended. It all came it all came to head on um, July 6, 2006. Yeah, July 6, 2006, that morning of July 6. And um, ironically, talking to you, ironically enough, it was one of those mornings where I was I got off work. I was working third shift and I asked my mom to um, take me to the train station. I was actually on my way down to see um, Nicole down there in Hampton. Yeah. And I was on the train and she dropped me off. You know, we were waiting and speaking to my mother. That was the last morning I would see my mother. I got out the car, said, you know, I love you. I'll see you later when I get back. About, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes with, um, on the train, I get a phone call from my younger sister. Mm-hmm. And the phone call might have lasted about, I would say, uh, two seconds. <laughs> Felt like an eternity because uh, she was there. And she said, I, I could hear her briefly and quickly say he killed her. And it was like a flash. You know, my life just on that train, just, that, that was that was a really, really... Um, typical moment in my life right there. And I can feel it. You know, you know, I, you just felt, I felt a piece of me gone. So it, it, what happened, it turned out that, um, he was waiting for her. She had went shopping after she dropped me off and she came back home where we lived at the time. And she was unpacking bags. He had been walking around our complex at the time and waiting for her, snuck up behind my mother and, um, ended her life, cut her throat from ear to ear that morning. And so, you know, like 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 anything, it was it was um, tragic for us. It was it was like I said earlier, you know, it, she was our everything. Yeah. And so when your everything is taken from you unexpectedly, believe me, it, it, it does something to you. And it did something to yeah. me. It did something to my siblings, to um, her mother, her brothers. You know, it changed our family. But. And that in that loss and in that pain, we decided, you know, I decided we decided that we wasn't going to um, allow him. You know, he 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 was able to take her from her, but we we felt like it was important for us not to allow him to take us from, you know, out of this world behind that. Like she meant so much to us and, and, and so much in us. You know, we was determined to continue living through the pain, through the ups and downs. And it hasn't been easy. But we were determined to, you know, keep pushing on. I was determined to keep pushing on. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, you know, what led me and, and, and to this moment. And believe me, it's been a long road. Like I said, this happened in 2006. We started yeah. the foundation. I started the foundation just last year. So it's been a long road to, you know, getting back to that space where I'm able to 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 do what I'm doing right now, to be able to speak about it, to, to share her story. Because, you know, it's not really my story. It's her story. I'm trying to get her story out there to be able to help somebody. And so, you know, that's 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 really why I wanted to start the foundation. The push behind the foundation was to really, uh, you know, if I if I can tell if I can help save 
one family or one person from having to go through what we we've gone through, you know, I, I've done my job and that's my mission. You know, that's my personal mission. And, and behind my personal mission, we use the foundation to drive, you know, a, a larger goal in the fight against domestic violence. But, you know, that's kind of how, how, what, what, how that came about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've been, seeing you guys post on, on social media and, and doing some research about the foundation. Um, I read that your, the goal is to teach, mentor, and educate young adults about the importance of healthy relationships. I'm, I'm curious, you know, tell us, tell our listeners about the work you guys do to achieve that goal. So, all right, so real quick, I mean, like when, when I when I was sitting back with Nicole and we were, um, Nicole's my wife, <laughs> for, for your audience, I know, you know. When I was sitting back talking to my wife and we were trying to decide what direction we wanted to go with the foundation, you know, we were talking about it. And one of one of the things we, we talked about was there's a lot of organizations out there that that help women and men and children, you know, with the aftermath of domestic violence, you know, shelters and, and legal counseling, different things like that. A lot of great organizations out there. We wanted to do something a little bit different. We wanted to really get in, in on the ground and get in early and really start having conversations with young people about healthy relationships. That, that's really our mission and our goal is to really reach as many young folks, you know, ages. I would say, you know, whatever the date and age we start, our, our workshops start with ages, um, grades, ninth grade, whatever age that is, 13 years old. Yeah. You know, really, yeah. these, these, these kids... And we know it, you know, we wasn't, we're not that old. I'm not that old. At least I don't think I am. But, you know, we know, we know when we were in high school and stuff, you know, we, we were in relationships. So, so we thought we were in relationships and we were dating. But nobody never stopped and, and, and had that conversation with us about what a healthy relationship looks like. You know, so our goal is to kind of really educate. And the way, the way we do that is, again, like I said, we, we try to host or we do host these um, workshops called Healthy Relationship Workshops. And with the workshops, what we do is we go and we bring in youth, we invite youth out, you know, at, at a small fee, we, I think it's like $10 we charge just, and that really just covers like the pizza and stuff. And we try to get groups together and really just have a conversation. We have this whole curriculum around healthy relationship and um, what it looks like, the uh, characteristics of healthy relationships and unhealthy relationships what um, team dating, date violence looks like and what they should look out for. And we're just trying to, you know, just like I said, just just educate the youth on and give them some tools. Like I tell I tell um, the kids that I talk to, you know, my goal is really to to for them to walk away from the workshops with just some tools that they can take in life and use and understand what they should be looking out for, and what they should expect from themselves and from others. You know, and, and again, that's 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 our goal. And then another avenue we use is I, I do um, speaking engagements at different high schools, you know, around the state. And we hold, you know, assemblies with the I was just at one of the high schools and we talked to about a thousand kids. And it's the same format. It's the same conversation. We just kind of try to open up the conversation about what a healthy relationship should look like. And that's really our goal is just to really open up the conversation. I encourage the kids once I'm done, because, you know, it's hard. to. It's a big conversation and you don't it's impossible to cover everything in an hour. So what I tell the kids is, you know, this is just the beginning of a, of a larger conversation. And I encourage them to break off in smaller groups, have these conversations with their parents, with their counselors, 
with each other and really talk about what what you know what healthy relationships should look like. That's outstanding, man. You're doing some great work, and everyone should just take take note of uh, the work that Sion is doing. So, speaking of relationships, um, how did the experience Sion of losing your mother? Uh, in a tragic way to the domestic violence impact you? You were dating Nicole at the time of, of, of her death. How did that impact you as you ultimately continued to date her and, and became a husband? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great question. Um, I, I, and, and if I'm being honest, if I could be honest with you and your audience, um, you know, I, I would say it impacted me in a, in a positive and a negative way. And I would say positive. I, I say that that way because it was it was it was a driving force that that drove me to be you know more about a thousand percent committed to my to Nicole. And then once you know once we started having kids, you know I I was I was determined because it, it it made it. If I can, I'm trying to you know figure out how to architect. Nicole and, and, and my children made me whole again. Now I say it was kind. Of, it impacted me in a negative way because mm. I, I latched onto them in, in a negative mm-hmm. way. So you know, it, it, it was it, it was an experience that I had to go through, and I'm still going through. I'm still growing in that space and, and, and understanding that you know I need my own space also to to grow. You know, I used I used um, my family as as a crush to get me through a lot of hard times, which was great, and I needed that. But now I'm realizing that, you know, they they also need their space and I have to be that husband and that father to give them, you know, to, to kind of give them their space and, and let them breathe a little bit. You know, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, make, it makes perfect sense. And I want to stay there, actually. Um, tell us a little bit about your family. Tell us about, you know, your daughters. And I understand you have one on the way. Some congratulations uh, to you on that. So, so tell us about your daughters and what just being a father means to you. Wow. So my daughters, um, Madison and Mackenzie. So Madison is the oldest. She's 10. Madison is, um, how can I describe Madison? I would say Madison is more her dad's child. So <laughs> she's, she's, she's a lot like me in a lot of different ways. And, and she's a bright, bright little girl, a little bit too bright sometimes has a um, really curious mind. Um, again, Madison, I, I, w- I would say this, Madison um, was, and, and again, I, I hesitate to say this, but Madison was my little savior. She came, she came in my life, you know, at a time where I think I was probably at my lowest. She came around two years or so, close to two years after um, my mother, everything happened. So, you know, it was still, it was still kind of fresh. And I was I was in a place where my siblings, you know, they had kids already or you know, kids or whatever, one kid. And I was looking at them feeling like they had something to continue on to, to, to push for. And I didn't have anything at the time. So I was at a, I was at a real low. You know, I had Nicole as, as, in my life, you know, but it, it was different. So I was feeling like I didn't have anything really to um, push forward. And then Madison came and that was like life to me. You know, she, she, she breathed life back in me. Like I said earlier, you know, I hugged her a tight. <laughs> so, you know, I'm paying, jokingly, I say I'm paying the price for that now. <laughs> she, she, I'm the um, daddy's girl right now. Uh, again, like I said, I'm paying the price for it right now. At times I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> but 
Madison, that's 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 my baby. She she she's well, she's special. And Mackenzie, the three year old, she's three. That she's she's my little firecracker. <laughs> that little girl, she's going she's going to be a problem out here in this world. But she's a, she's also a bright, smart, sharp little girl at three years old. She's really in tune. She's really she's really in tune to um everything. She loves her um her big sister to death. <laughs> she loves her. She's a lot of fun. She's Mackenzie's more. I would say Mackenzie's more like her mother. Becoming a father, how did it change you and your approach to life? I um specifically, you know, the timing of of you having having those kids. Wow, that's that that that's a good good tough question. Um, having having them during that period, especially Madison, like I said, she was she came you know fresh after everything happened, but it really gave me something to really work for you know what I mean like you know not saying I was giving up on life not you know I, I it wasn't a um you know in that space I wasn't in that head space where I was ready to hang it up or anything like that but you know you go through life kind of just going through life in, in robot mode you know but then once you know once Madison and then Mackenzie came like you know it was like all right I got I got responsibilities you know that I gotta get focused I can't just just you know, kind of just 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 glide through life without any kind of you know focus or anything. I had to get focused fast. No, I totally I totally understand. Fatherhood definitely would change that. So you have two girls, but now you're about to have a son. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I know, I know you're, you're excited about that as as a father yeah, of a son. I, I definitely I definitely know what it feels like to find out you're about to have have a boy. So uh, congratulations on that. So how are you preparing? How are you preparing to go from a father of two girls and now you're going to have, you know, a little you? Man, listen, um, <laughs> that's a great question because I, I, I'm like mentally, I'm just I'm 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 preparing by not preparing. Right. Because I have what, what I did learn by by having the two girls out being a father, period, is that no matter how much you um prepare, <laughs> You you're never gonna be ready. Like I, I feel like I'm learning so much from these kids every day. Like they have no idea. So I'm like I, I really don't know what to expect. I'm I'm preparing by just saying to myself, you know what? I'm just gonna try to be as consistent as I can for this little guy that's coming. So he you know so he has what what I didn't have growing up, and that's the and and, and truth be told, and that's a, a strong male role model. So I'm just, you know, that's 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 my focus. That's my preparation. That's my my prayer for, you know, for myself is that I can remain consistent, you know, as a man, as a father, you know, just to be that that role model for the little guy. No, I definitely I definitely understand, man. We all have to be role models as fathers. So so Sion, you know, ha- having lost a mom in such a, a tragic way, and now you are a father to two girls and and, and a son. So you, you're looking at it from from both sides of the aisle. Now, how will you discuss your experiences uh, with them, with your girls and, you know, with your son as he gets older? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've begun that conversation a little bit with um, Madison. You know, we've, we've talked about her grandmother. Some, it's a tough conversation, you know, to, to break that down to her in a way that she can understand. And it really, I think the only thing I can do and, and I'll continue to do, I've done, I'm doing it with Madison, you know, when the time comes and it's time to sit down and have the conversation with Mackenzie and then, the, the, you know, the, my, my son that's coming, 
It's just try to be as honest with them as possible about what happened and why it happened, you know, and how it happened. I try to try to protect them and, you know, try to tell the story in a way where, where it's not scaring them. But I think it's, it's important that they, they hear what happened. So they have that, you know, for them also, because everything I'm trying to do for the youth out there, you know, I'm, I'm, it starts at home. You know, I'm trying to have these conversations about healthy relationships and helping um, young people. So, you know, I can't I can't neglect my own house. You know what I mean? So I have to. I, I have to start with them and start with Madison and talk to her about, you know, this is, you know, we didn't know that, that, that grandma was in this type of relationship. You know what I mean? And, and because we didn't know, because we didn't see the signs, it led to that. You know? And I don't want to scare her away from people. So it's a tricky conversation. So the older she gets and the older Mackenzie gets and the older the baby gets, you know, more and more, I, I'll tell the story to them. But, you know, Initially, it's really just like even with Madison. It's just really just introducing them to who she she was as a person. Yeah. So is a conversation different or harder when you're talking about it with your girls as opposed to, you know, you guys out here doing seminars and raising awareness in the community? Is it harder at home to have those conversations? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Those are some of the hardest um, conversations you know, like even um, just as a quick example, uh, the three year old Mackenzie, she she um, I think recently she asked me, do I have a mom? You yeah. know, so uh, you can only imagine emotionally. Yeah, it, it, it always takes me. To, it, it's definitely harder to answer your question. It's definitely harder. It's definitely more of a tougher conversation, especially because I, it kills me inside at times that they're missing out on yeah. her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I know exactly what type of grandmother she would have been. you know. And so I'm like, you know, even though Nicole, my, my wife, mom is, is probably the best grandmother in the world and the girls love her to death. But I, I, I know that she would have had some competition on my side. <laughs> so and so some, sometimes, you know, like I said, sometimes. So it is to answer your question. It is tough, you know, because it does bring up other, diff, you know, it's, it's easier to talk because I can kind of emotionally detach myself when I'm talking to strangers. Mm-hmm. But when I'm talking to my girls and I'm talking to Madison about my, you know, it, it's that emotional connection that, 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 that I can't get away from. So it is a hard conversation. So, so with the, the work you're doing um, to promote healthy relationships and be an advocate for domestic violence awareness, I'm curious, how has doing that helped you as a father? It, it, it's, it's trained my focus as a, as a father, you know, it, it's because I'm, 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 I'm really dealing with this whole domestic violence issue and, and, and you know, studying up on it and getting my facts. Like it, it kind of put me in a space where I'm, I'm really concerned. I'm really concerned, more concerned than I probably would have been had I not been involved in this issue. So I'm cons- and when I say concerned, you know, I'm just concerned that my girls and now my son will, will be, you know, will have the, the tools and the information that they need to guard themselves from being in a toxic relationship. So I think it, it like I said, I think it's trained my focus to really, you know, be a dedicated, cons- like I, I said earlier, consistent father in their lives and, and really, really educate them first. Like I said, it starts at home, you know. What do you hope he learns from the example you're, you're setting? Because one day, I mean, he's going to be in the girls and he's going to, you know, date and, 
you know, have problems in his relationship like yeah. everybody else does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my hope for my son, like you said, um, you know, when he's of age and he's out here dealing with relationships and this, that, and the third, my, my, my hope for him would be that he just remain, um, remain responsible, respect. When I say responsible, I mean, I, I really mean respectful. <laughs> he remains a respectful young man. I'll put it that way. If I can raise a yeah. respectful young man, I think, um, I think that'll be everything. I think if he if he learns how to be a respectful young man and and consistent, then he'll learn how he'll know how to handle these ups and downs in relationships. Because you put it you put it uh, in relationships, we all know not everybody's you're not going to get along 100 percent of the time. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be arguments. There's going to be um you know. There's going to be heated arguments also, but what, what matters is how you handle it and how much you respect the person that you're with. You know what I mean? Like if, if he learns, if you're with somebody and you have the utmost respect for somebody, no matter how much, you know, how angry you get about something or how much you disagree with somebody, you'll never cross that line, you know? No, definitely. I definitely understand what you're saying. So, you know, as, as you're out here, you know, getting the foundation, you're, you're starting last year, you're a year in the game. You know, what have been some challenges you you and Nicole um, have, have faced in your efforts to raise awareness about domestic violence? Be 100 percent real with you funding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's that's just being honest. Yeah. It's um, that's real. Yeah. No, it's just being honest. It's one of the things. It's funding, you know. It's hard. It's yeah. hard to get the word out to the masses when you really don't have that financial backing. When you're trying to find that financial backing, yeah, it, it, it's it's difficult, you know. So it's really the um, it, it's the business side of starting. Even just it doesn't even have to be a foundation or a nonprofit organization. It's just the business side of business, you know. Even though we're, you know, we're nonprofit organization, you know, we got the whole 501c thing going. You know, with that, it's still the business side of it and trying to operate the business side and, and really, you know, we want to, we were, excuse me, I'm sorry, we, we walked that tightrope, right, between trying to get the word and bring awareness out there and, and but we also have bills to pay <laughs> and yeah. overhead and stuff like that. So when we're, we're approaching schools and, and different things like that. It's always that conversation. Well, you know, we want we want to be out there, but are you guys willing to pay? And then it's like, so funding is the big thing. You know, I hate I hate approaching schools, especially in schools and doing the workshops and having to charge people. But like I said, there's a cost and overhead and different things that, that's associated with doing the work. If it was up to me, I would be going around for free and I would be doing all these workshops for free. But the reality is I can't, you know, so trying to find different grants and stuff to be able to pay for these things without having to charge the public is really where we're trying to get to. That's the, you know, the next goal is to try to, you know, source out some grants and try to get funding from the state and federal funding and things like that so we can be able to get out there more train other people because i'm be honest with you i'm only one person <laughs> that's the other yeah. struggle that that um that we we face with the foundation also because i, I tell nicole all the time i i feel personally that the work that we're trying to do is bigger than me 
And I don't want this thing to have to rely on me. You know, if I have to step away and do something else or, or I don't have the time, you know, I want the work to continue on. I don't want to have to be the person all the time going out and doing the workshops. I want to be able to bring in people, train people and have those people do it. And in fact, I wouldn't even mind bringing in somebody to run the foundation. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. want this thing to be bigger than me so it doesn't have to breathe and live based off of what I'm doing. <laughs> Most definitely. And I encourage, you know, everyone who's listening to um, support Scion, his foundation, he'll he'll tell you where to, to find it in a minute. But last question, my man, I really appreciate you um, having a conversation with me. You kind of touched on this I earlier, um, but I want to go a little deeper. You know, for me as a father and a husband, for you as a, a father and a husband and for a lot of other, you know, dads out there who are listening, whether married or not or in, involved in relationships, you know, everyone has issues in, in their relationships, but what advice would you give to fellow fathers, you know, who are struggling to navigate um, a toxic relationship or a toxic situation? Man, powerful question. Um, I mean, I guess the, the, the one advice or I, I, I could give, or I would give is just to be honest with yourself. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you really step back and look at a situation that you're in, and, you know, take take a um, take stock of the situation that you're in. And if you say to yourself, man, this is a toxic situation. If you're honest with yourself, then you need to get out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes as men, we, we try to stay, stay in things or stay around places and things that we probably shouldn't be in because we're too prideful to walk away from it. You know, yeah. we feel like, you know, we feel like, oh, this is this relationship is my job to fix. Or even the person that you're with, the woman that you're with, makes you feel like it's your responsibility to fix it. When in fact, you know, you may be in a toxic relationship that that, that can't be fixed. And you got to know, you know, that's why I say be honest with yourself. Like you got to know when to, when to walk away from a situation, when to let it go. As much as you might, it may hurt, you know, man, as much as you may not want to, as much as you may want to try to fix it. You know, I would say uh, as men, we need to know when when to walk away. I think sometimes that for me, you know, I, I've seen it. I, I've, I've, I've gotten there sometimes myself where we feel like we just got to figure it out. We got to we got to, um, you know, we got to stand and fight and stand our ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I would say sometimes as men, we got to learn how to just 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 uh, swallow our pride and walk away. because. That's when, you know, when you don't walk away and you stay and you stay and fight and you stay and argue and, you you know, and, and she might say something to you that's going to push you over the edge and you're going to do something that you're going to regret. When at the beginning of the argument, you knew that, um, you, you you know what I'm saying? You knew that you, you probably shouldn't have been having this fight with this person in the first place. And, you fall. and, and not even walk away to the point where you walk away from the relationship. I'm just saying that sometimes we got to learn how what what battles fight we want to fight every battle you know <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying? if we being honest as men we we feel like we want to <laughs> fight every battle we're not going on back now i think at at times we need to learn to walk away you know we need to learn to, to let it go we need to put our pride to the side you know be wrong sometimes you know even when you know you're right <laughs> you know i <I've, laughs> I'm, I'm 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 be honest i'm learning that lesson a little bit myself or i should say a lot of it you know, even when I know I'm right, I'm I'm wrong. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's something you know we all can can learn from and put into practice. Well, man, I really appreciate you joining me, Sign. Before I let you go, um, tell people how they can get in touch with you, how they can find the foundation, and how they can support it. I do well, definitely, man. I will say real quickly, you know, I, I appreciate you giving me this platform to really share my story and and and, and chat it up with you a little bit, but. But um, for everybody out there that, that would like to learn a little bit more about the foundation, you can go to our website at um, www.BeneeJBradleyFoundation.org. Um, look us up there. We got all the contact information, phone number, all of these things up there. Um, if you feel led, you can drop a donation. Uh, we actually, in fact, April 7th, we got our um, scholarship lunch. And that's one thing we do. We give out scholarships. Last year, we were um, blessed enough to give two seniors um, $1,000 each last year. So we're trying to double that this year. And so April 7th is the um, scholarship luncheon. So we're taking donations. We're selling tickets for that. Um, again, you can go to the website at www.ReneeJBradleyFoundation.org. Um, check us out. Look us up. Drop us an email. Drop a donation of any dollar amount will help. And our mission, yeah. Um, I mean, really, I said I think uh, I'm trying to think of all the social media um, platforms, which is not my thing. That's Nicole's thing. So <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, the Instagram page at Renee J Bradley Foundation. Um, I think it's the same for Facebook and every other social media outlet there is. <laughs> Definitely, man. Well, Sion, man, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Um, and I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. No doubt. I want to thank Sion Bradley for coming on the podcast today. You know, I especially want to thank him for coming on and being open and vulnerable in sharing the story of the loss of his mom. Be sure to support the foundation. It is a great thing he and his wife have going over there can definitely help uh, a lot of people. As always, thank you for listening. Um, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and and rate and review uh, the episode. I'll be back next week. Until next time, I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is The Father.